today's lesson is value or valuing senior adulthood. The central truth is that older Christians should be valued in their role within family relationships. Well, in a lot of relationships, in pretty much all relationships. And I think that's what we need to establish this morning is where that value's at, what we stand to, to glean and to, to benefit from um, with that, and then the recognition of it. That it's that it's there. You know, some of the most it's um, <laughs> it's kind of uh, at its very base. It's like, all right, how do we do this? How do we how do we identify the value of seniors? Well, first of all, if you're a senior, you have to identify that you are a senior. That's the that's the first step. You with me? <laughs> She's like, oh man, we are. We really gonna go there this morning? It's it's kind of like. Um, uh, Haven's message to the kids yesterday uh, the recognition of if you're a male, accept that you're a male if you're a female, accept that you're a female accept your role uh, th this is talking about a role and the, and the roles that seniors have in the relationship with the people around them I think this is a really good lesson I think we to, uh, stand to gain a lot from this but a lot of that comes down to our recognition of, of of where we are at individually in our lives okay so it's like well if you're talking about seniors this really doesn't apply to me no it, it absolutely does if you say well I'm not, really, I'm not a senior fine but there's a role of the person that's not a senior that needs to recognize what their role is in relationship to that person that is wiser and older than them so the lesson applies to both parties in understanding where you fit and then accepting that role um, I think we can all agree especially some of you seniors that are in here, you can uh, agree that getting older is not cool. <laughs> it's not fun. And, and you, he said it's rough. <laughs> and that's understood from that, from that dynamic. That's understood on, on completely different levels. I understand it a different way. I don't have near the experience that some of these other ones do. But that, see, I recognize that. I recognize what, what's my role. My role is to listen. My role is to learn to glean from that. And so, but if you find yourself in that, that position as a senior, then this, this lesson also, this definitely applies to you and that we understand where we belong and what we offer to the group and to our families. So under Let's Get Started, it says the senior years of life can be full of love and hope or they can be sad and unproductive. Much depends on the attitudes of both the aging individual and those who interact with them. God expects his family, the church, to be the earthly family for each other. The senior adult who has no family nearby should be able to depend on their church to demonstrate Christ's love to them. The benefit works both ways as those who minister to older adults are blessed by the wisdom and love those seniors share. Right there, the benefits work both ways as those who minister to older adults are blessed by the wisdom and love those seniors share. So, um first thing that we have to establish is that, and I think in our society it's very important to establish this. First of all, our, our, our seniors who have been through some things, they're not a Google thesaurus. Okay? Google's a whole different critter in and of itself. I'm not talking about random <laughs> information that you can draw from the web. Anybody can draw random information from the web. But as a, as a younger person, the role and the way this is supposed to work is, is that I listen 
to the person that is above me and I glean information from their experiences. Google doesn't offer experiences. They just offer information. Wikipedia, it's just information. Wouldn't you rather talk to somebody who's been through it? Like a one-on-one, -on -one, like heart-to-heart -heart conversation and listen to the wisdom that comes from that. The reason I bring this up is because in our society, for, and I, I don't know, I can't really lay a finger on exactly where it originated from or where it's come from, but there's this attitude that you don't know more than me. There's this attitude that you're not going to teach me anything. I'll just do it on my own. There's this kind of, it's this kind of attitude that just kind of is in this generation, especially coming up generation. It's like, no, I don't, I don't, I don't do things the way other people do them. Well, see, that's fine if you want to be unique. There's nothing wrong with that. But there's certain fundamentals that have to be followed in recognizing when somebody is older and more knowledgeable than you in gleaning, gleaning experiences from them is one of them. It's one of those things that I believe that the younger generation and whoever that is cannot go without. We can't be without those experiences. This is, this is why we see, um, and I'm going to kind of connect the dots here. This is why we see our, um, in our nation, history being erased. History being erased is a direct correlation and a direct slap in the face to the ones who came before us that fought their way through to get to where we are at today. It's a, it's a blatant disrespect. And so what they're saying is, oh, no, the history, that doesn't really matter. What happened? Oh, no, it doesn't really matter. No, that doesn't apply to today. Indeed, it does apply to today in that if we don't have if we don't have pillars in our churches in our communities i'm talking pillars people i'm not talking about names i'm not talking about politics pillars people that have went through it came through the other side and have something to say if we don't have that then where does that leave the younger generation coming up and and also and let's let's put it together where does that leave us if our attitude is, I really don't want to listen to that anyway? Where does that leave us? So you have, we have um, these warring views, and it's contradictive. Because if, if we want to continue as a society, then I need to know what these older ones have went through and what got you through that. That's probably one of the, that's probably for me, on a personal level, one of the things that I enjoy the most is I enjoy sitting and listening to the stories and i'll ask a lot of questions like okay how did that, how how did you how'd you overcome that how'd you get through that so what happened there what 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 took place there I, sometimes when i go into people's houses i can tell when there's an elderly person there that hasn't been visited in a long time i can tell because they cannot stop talking and telling me about their stories they've been waiting to talk with someone they've been waiting to share and they'll say, yeah, back in 1958, back in 1922, back in, and I'm just, I, I don't even want to work. I just want to listen to what they got to say. I want to say, that's an amazing story. Tell me how you did that. How did that happen? How did that take place? Gleaning information and, and being inspired. Because the most inspired, one of the most inspiring things to, to remember, and especially for a younger generation, if a younger generation or even a middle-aged generation that doesn't value, that may not hold value to 
a 60 to 80 year old um, age group, the fact that they are have come through and they're standing in front of you in their right minds and telling you about their history is enough to is enough to know that they have something and acquired something that at this point in time in your life that you don't have. That's value enough to listen to what they have to say. It's value enough. And it's, as I've said many times, and I'm banging this drum at all, it's fundamental to society. You got to have it. You say, well, we don't, need, we don't need that age group. Yes, you do. We don't need, we don't need those stories. Yes, you do. It's, uh, to, me, it's, um, to me, it's like memorialization. It's like when Joshua was leading them, leading them out and, and they had them build these uh, altars and these were memorials. That's what they were. And the memorial was for, and he even told them, he said, that the memorial is for your children. That when they ask you, how did you make it over here? You can take them to the memorial and you can say, right here. This is how we made it out. See, our seniors memorialize the history that we are in, uh, that, and the fruits of that history that we enjoy right now. The problem is nobody's asking questions anymore. Nobody's asking, how did we get through that? And then talking to that person that lived in that era, in that time. Figuring out, how did you overcome that? How did you make it through that? Um, and I'm not keying in on, on, on our brother and sister over here, but you guys have been through some things, haven't you? Yes, we have. You have some stories to share, don't you? Oh, yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'd like to hear those stories sometime. <laughs> I really would. Because we stand to we stand to learn from what they've overcome. So let's get it, let's get into the uh, last paragraph. Our perception of life changes dramatically as we move through the stages of adulthood. Young adults may look at their parents and grandparents and feel that it will be a very long time before they themselves will be at that age. Oh yeah, we all feel that way, right? Amen. Everybody's felt that way. Everybody. But what will seem like a short time later, they will wonder how they uh, got there already is true. God has a wonderful plan for all these generations uh, to interact with one another in a way that glorifies him and builds his kingdom. Each must value the other as a vital part of the family of God. Why? Because the body of Christ is a, is a <laughs> body of working parts. Correct? The, the hand can't say to the foot, right? Vice versa, can't say that I have no need of you. That's scriptural, right? So, if that's the case, then all parts of the body are valuable. The problem that we have is not understanding the role. To me, now after looking at that, looking at scripture over the years, it's not understanding and not accepting. That's why I said in the beginning, I was like, well, if you're, I mean, if you're a senior, you need to accept that you're a senior. If you're not a senior, you need to accept that you're not a senior, and then understand what comes with that role. So, okay, I'm on the, I'm on the listening end. I'll be 44 in a couple months. Now, to some kids, they call me old. And I guess to a 19-year-old, I am. Makes sense. But I'm 44. An 84-year-old would be old to me. Okay, that's older. What's my role? Well, for, let's say, my daughter's role, she, called, she would call me old or older. Her role, that's okay. I'm good. <laughs> Her role is to listen, right? Be to listen. What's my role to the one who's above me? Listen. I've accepted my role. 
But see, if I'm, if she looks at me and she's, she looks at me as being old, then I have to share my experiences. As I've been talking about this the last couple of weeks, it's my responsibility to share my experiences with her. That's how we raise our kids. We share the experiences, good or bad. That's how they come through. That's how they make it through on the other side. Okay. All right, let's go to our scriptures. Page 42. Haley, go ahead. Exodus 20:12. Honor your father and mother, then you will live a long, full life in the land the Lord your God has given you. 2 Timothy 1:5. I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know the same faith continues strong in you. 1 Timothy 5.1 Never speak harshly to an older man, but appeal to him respectfully as you would to your own father. Talk to younger men as you would to your own brothers. Treat older women as you would your mother, and treat younger women with all purity as you would your own sisters. Now a true widow, a woman who is truly alone in this world, has placed her hope in God. She prays night and day, asking God for his help. But those who won't care for their relatives, especially those in their own household, have denied the true faith. Such people are worse than unbelievers. A widow who is put on the list for support must be a woman who is at least 60 years old and was faithful to her husband. She must be well respected by everyone because of the good she has done. Has she brought up her children well? Has she been kind to strangers and served other believers humbly? Has she helped those who are in trouble? Has she always been ready to do good? 2 Timothy 4.7 I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race and I have remained faithful. And now the prize awaits me. The crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. Second Kings 2 5. Then the group of prophets from Jericho came to Elisha and asked Elisha. him, What is it? Elisha. Elisha, okay. And asked him, Did you know that the Lord is going to take your master away from you today? Of course I know, Elisha answered, but be quiet about it. As they were walking along and talking, suddenly a chariot of fire appeared, drawn by horses of fire. It drove between the two men, separating them, and Elijah was carried by a whirlwind into heaven. Elisha saw it and cried out, My father, my father, I see the chariots and charioteers of Israel. And as they disappeared from sight, Elisha tore his clothes in distress. All right, thanks. All right. Part one, teaching... Mutual respect in the family. This is good. Listen closely. Life is better when all people are given the honor, respect, and love they are due. Do you agree with that? Yes. Okay, I agree with that. Here's where we get into trouble. I don't want to spend a lot of time on this. We get into trouble when we start being the one who decides who gets honor, respect, and love. That's where we get into trouble. Is you start... You start, um, instead of looking at it from a godly perspective, we start drawing lines and barriers. Now, I understand why we draw these lines and barriers. I completely get it. Most of it comes from tattered backgrounds, hurt feelings, deep family hurts, deep family business that has gone on, backstabbing, gossip. Oh, you guys know what I mean. So... But the principle remains the same. And I think we all agree with that. The principle remains the same, that honor, respect, and love are essential within a family. You gotta have it. So what we have to make sure of is that we are not alienating people, 
who need those things because of past hurts, past issues, past things that have taken place. To say somebody doesn't deserve love, deserve your love as a person. I'm not, I'm not even talking about Christ's love. We'll get to that in a minute. I'm talking about the fact that, sure, you've gotten Christ's love because of forgiveness, right? I mean, you've, you've acquired it. If you've been forgiven of your sins, you know what it's like. And so that same type of love has been demanded of you and me. And so that's an, un, that's an unbridled, unconditional love to, to our family members and to our people. Now, I'm going to tell you, because I'll probably bring it up again here in a minute. I don't, I don't know if we fully even understand how valuable love really is. I mean, the value of loving people according to God's word. Some serious stuff. And a very powerful thing. And so we have to make sure that we're not drawing lines and we're not drawing boxes around people and we're, we're um, oh, how do I put it? Making sure that we're not making people earn the love that we have. Well, you're going to have to, you're going to have to be uh, uh, A, B, and C in order for me to, to love you. Well, you might want to rethink that. You want to make, because when we start regulating our love, for someone, if you start regulating it, the, the, there's a, the line gets super thin between love and a grudge. Like super thin. And I sure don't want to be leaving this earth having to explain why I was withholding my love and quite possibly even grudging against somebody. <clears throat> I don't know how that conversation is going to go. I think we're about to the point where what you can do for me relates to how much I'm going to love you. Hey, that's a good and point. A false love anyway. That's good, yeah. Yeah, what do you have to give me? Otherwise, I'm not going to give you the time of day. Right. Amen. Yeah, I'm not... Prevalent in society. Oh, yeah. That's a good That's a good example. Very good. Okay. Um, families... Where was I at? <coughs> families do not... Who, that do not show honor, respect, and love uh, to one another often struggle with behavior and attitude uh, issues. Did you catch the respect of the parents? Yes. Okay, you got that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we're, we're fixing to hit that. Um, families that do not show honor, respect, and love to one another often struggle with behavior and attitude issues. The greater harm is the spiritual consequences as family members spiral into rebellion against God. You know what, John? I actually did miss that, didn't I? I missed that part up there. Sorry, guys. I apologize. Let me read, let me read up there. Look at the second sentence. When children first learn to respect their parents... Then respect for teachers and others comes more naturally. All right, so we've been talking about this for, for quite some time in here, and, and this is a real fundamental part of raising your kids, is that when children first learn to respect their parents, then respect for everyone else comes fairly natural. So, and, and I'm coming back to, I'm, I'm coming back to this the statement that I made not too long ago. It's, it's like, okay, in order for your kids to have respect for you, they cannot be your friend. It, it, it cannot happen. As, and I, I love my kids. And my boys are 16, and we get to hang out sometimes, and, and, and uh, we have good camaraderie, and everything works out really well. But there are times when you just have to put your foot down, and there has to be a demand for respect because that relationship that you have with your children is not the same relationship that you have with your next-door neighbor or the person at work. Those are your children. And so... There has to be this respect 
that kids have to have. Um, <laughs> thought this was funny, but I felt good when he said it. Uh, Zayden was telling me they were doing some sort of class class assignment, and they asked him, "What have you learned from your parents?" And Zayden said, "I told him, my dad is about respect." And I felt good about that. And he said, it, and it didn't come off really well because he said, it's not always good, but I've learned that respect, um, you have to respect the people above you and you have to respect your parents. And, and I, I felt honored because even if he had come off wrong and said, the, maybe he said, well, I don't like that. It's okay. That's okay. There's some, there's some things that you're going to take from that relationship and the fact that you respect me, you're going to respect other people too. If parents do not demand respect from their children, I said demand it. You have got to keep control of your home. And that means demanding respect. And that doesn't always, that's not always pretty. It's not always easy. I remember these little power struggles. I noticed a couple hands up and I'll get to you guys here in just a minute. This little power struggle we used to have with my kids and and, uh, we go into a store and Yes, my kid, my boys were young, and I remember them specifically. And they would grab stuff off the shelves, shampoo, and just throw it in the floor. Not cool at all. And so, yeah. So I got into this. There's this power struggle that would, would take place, and they were calling me out. I noticed that my kids would call me out in public because they didn't think I would I would get onto them. They would hide behind the public scene. I'm done. Parents, I'm telling you, you gotta you gotta show up and even in the public. And so I would swat that leg. And he'd go <laughs> start crying. And then he'd reach for that shampoo again. He wanted to bring it back. I'd slap that leg again. Same spot. And then he'd hold it and he'd look at me like, whoa, he did it again. And right at that point, there's a power struggle. Who's gonna win? You're gonna respect me and you're gonna respect the rules of this place that we're in? Or am I gonna let you do whatever you want? Here we go. This is it right here. Stand off. I swat that leg again three times. Now it's starting to hurt. Now the tears start to well up. Push shampoo back. Said, you're not going to do that. Sometimes it would go four and five swats deep. And just over and over and over and over again. Because we're not going to lose this. Because if you do, you lose the respect. You're going to lose it. And I know a lot of people would disagree with that. Well, the kid needs to be put in a corner and have some sit in a chair or something, have some time out or something. Okay. Well, listen, I don't know what you do in your family, but I'm a, I'm definitely about uh, not sparing the rod. I've always been that way. My dad was that way with me. <laughs> and so, you know, <laughs> Leif knows. <clears throat> and so, I'm, I'm saying that. And, and, and I want you to, church, I want you to understand something too. When I tell you these stories, I'm telling you my, my experiences. Don't, don't, I hope that you don't take me as coming off like my stuff is perfect, because it ain't. I'm still raising kids, right? I'm still trying, riding. She, sometimes she, that girl's got a mouth on her. And she'll, she'll, she likes to kind of let that thing roam around sometimes. She has got to be the, probably the wittiest of all my children. The wittiest. And sometimes she's smart mouths and says things she shouldn't say. And so you've got to wrangle that up, right? You got to wrangle it up because if there, if we lose the respect, if parents lose the respect, that's a platform for all the other relationships that are in their life, for the boss, for holding down a job, for, uh, for future, for, for their cousins, 
and the people that are that are, are gonna they're gonna grow with for their church family. What about that? Okay. I'm gonna get to the hands now. Luana, you were I think you had your hand up. Sometimes when you're a parent you do things spanking them, swat them, do whatever, smack them in the mouth when they say bad words. Eric did that neck the mouth week because Jed braces feel bad. (laughs) Yep, um, I feel bad. That is mission or confession. Both. Both, that's good. She said a bad word, very, very bad word, you know. You feel bad at the time. But yet you know, you've, you've disciplined them, mm-hmm. but yet, as as they grow older, they do become your best friend. That's, that's right. That's the time that you know that you've done you've, you've done, done the right thing. As they get now, older, they change. Now my girls are my best friend. Mm-hmm. All three of them. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry, all four of them. <laughs> four, I'm sorry, I got. I'm not going to ask you who you left out. Absolutely. Okay. I want to capitalize on something that that Luana said here because she said something really important. She said that when you discipline them, you feel bad. That is absolutely 100% true. I I felt bad after I slapped her in the face and made her mouth bleed. She said, you know, you teach them not to say bad words. She said the very worst words you're not supposed to say in our household. Well, the fact that you you feel bad, that's, listen, church, for all you parents, that's hardwiring. We all feel bad. But you can't give into it and say, okay, now that I feel bad, I feel like i got to make up for them, buy them some candy or, or, or give them a, a goodie pop to make them feel better about the situation. No, goodie pop, I said it, Haven. <laughs> she always makes fun of me for my words and stuff that I say. But that, that is essential that you push through the I feel bad and you get back to the discipline because if you give up on the punishment, if you, if you backpedal, the kid figures it out. They're like, oh, they backpedal. Yeah. Well, I'll just kind of moan a little bit and they'll give me what I want. No. And this actually goes into adulthood. And then parents that have are at retirement age that should have no ties to those kids, those kids should be independent, are still taking care of those kids yeah. in some fashion or another, whether it be financial or moral or whatever, just whatever. Okay, I got to keep going, guys. I'm sorry. We got we to gotta roll. Okay. Um, when children grow up uh, with a reverence for God in his ways, they are more likely to have a personal relationship with him. And that's really what you want, right? That's what we want. We want our kids to have a relationship with the Father. But that all comes with respect for us, too. It starts there. Families that do not show honor, respect, and love to one another often struggle with behavior and attitude issues. The greater harm is the spiritual consequences as family members spiral into rebellion against God. This is what I have been saying, and I'm not... I'm not putting myself up. This is what I've been saying, though, for weeks now. And I want us to, I think it's great because we need it pounded into our heads. It's that this honor, respect, and love thing, it starts with common sense. And not, here I'm going to say it, it's controversial to say this, and not a spiritual breakthrough. Why did I say that? Because there's a lot of people praying for spiritual breakthroughs in their families right now. We need spiritual breakthrough. We need a spiritual breakthrough. We need a spiritual breakthrough. Okay, listen. If there's not love, respect, and honor, where's the spiritual breakthrough going to come from? Because there's rebellion. They're rebelling against what you have defined as being love. I think the best breakthrough that you can have 
is defining love properly and then executing that love. That's how it's supposed to work. How do we have, explain it to me. It's like we're expecting God to come on the scene and just cast everything that we've done in our past away and, and all the complicated issues and God just shows up and just made everything all better. It doesn't work that way. Fundamental, at the grassroots, honor, respect, love. And if you have failed on those with your children, then you go and make amends for them and you fix them. And I hope that you are taking me the right way because it's like, Tanner, we're in church. You're supposed to be talking about spiritual breakthroughs and praying about things. It's like, listen, it's fine. You should continue to pray for your children. But this is where a lot of parents get lost. They get lost thinking that God is going to show up and fix something that they need to fix themselves through common sense. Basic, fundamental love. Honor. Respect. Fix that, and you'll get the results that you're looking for. Well, I mean... We woke up one morning not having a child, and then that afternoon we ended up having a child in our house. So it was, you know, we're trying to fix 11 years of somebody else's parenting, yep. you know, and it was a struggle. It's been a struggle. It's still a struggle, but it's gotten a lot better, but, but it's still. I'll, I'll tell you what, you know. I've leaned a lot on our church family on this mm -hmm. stuff, mm -hmm. and I noticed the big thing was, you know, go in there, well, he's sleeping and just pray over him mm, very good very and good just pray i you know i've gone in there i think danny's probably gone in there and just laid hands on him and just prayed you just laid hands on not laid hands on yeah it was a gentle man. it was a gentle right yeah but it has been a struggle to and, and now like putting god in his like this yes. Too. We've noticed that it's he's asked he asked a lot of questions about that. Like you know, God's gonna provide for this, and he was talking about what nightmares last night at dinner. Yeah. And Danny had told him he's like, you know, son, you you can pray to God before we can all go in there and just pray before you go to sleep that He protects you, shields you, and guides you through the night. And he's like, we can do that. I was like, yes, you know, and it'll work because he's yep. gonna be there. Great stuff. You. Great stuff. But you guys too. Coming back to there's some there's some things when you say you were working and I don't, I'm not digging on your your story at all, but when you say you're working, I'm assuming you're talking about working out the kinks, yes, having to discipline, having yes. to take things away, having to do things to assert authority, and that he, that he recognizes you guys as the authoritative figures. Oh, and it used to be come to me a lot, you know, hey, can I do this? And but I've noticed here lately. Hey Danny, can I can I do this? Can I do that? Even though right, you should not come ask me for nothing. Right. And now that she's, well, you go ask him. Well, he comes to me now because he knows all he knows what she's going to say. So. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. But That's good. It is. Just That's good, guys. A, it's been a struggle. Yes, yes, it is. Okay, let's keep going. This is good. Um, relationships change over time, and the parent-child relationship honor relates strongly to obedience until child reaches adulthood. In the relationship between parents and adult children, honor involves showing respect for a parent's values, concerns, and welfare. Yet the foundation for all these values, concern, and welfare is love. That's what I want to teach my kids uh, before they leave the home is, is love is a, is a very important aspect of this in that, that we love each other, but it's, it's love with, um, with boundaries. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, I love you, but you can't do this. 
and you can't call my love into question because I tell you no. Does that make sense? You can't call my love into question. It has nothing to do with that. This is, a, this is the parent's responsibility to step in and say, okay, the, the answer is no. And actually a no means I love you. That's, that's what that means. And so um, we, have to, we have to lay that foundation down. All right, so he said um, respect is taught best by modeling it. Parents can model respect in the relationship with their own parents. If they view their aging parents as a burden or as not having a valued role in their lives, the children will adopt the same attitude. All right, well, that's interesting. So you're saying, Jenner, are you saying that the lesson is telling us today that if I treat my parents, their grandparents, with respect and honor, that they're going to grow up with that same attitude? Yeah. And on the other end of that, if you trash the grandparents behind closed doors, I can assure you that they're going to trash and teach their kids to trash the grandparents also. It just goes along, church. You understand? It's all from the model that we, we, we showed to them. And, I mean, we're, we're watching our kids grow, and I've already, within myself, I have to take full accountability. Whatever, whatever product comes out of my five children, good or bad, I have to accept it. Because that's a direct result of what I did, whether I did it right or whether I did it wrong. And, and, and accepting that, <laughs> taking that as is, that's hard sometimes. All right. Um, one of the rewards of early teaching is the friendship that comes with the adult child and parent relationship. And that's talking about, as Luana was mentioning, this is later on um, after, after those things have been established and that child moves on and develops their own family that then they begin to realize what value had come from what they had learned when they were younger. They carry it over, and then they begin to raise their children in the same respect and the same fear. That's good stuff, and it's rewarding. Okay. The importance of teaching children about God was ingrained in Jewish society. Parents were to use everyday events as teachable moments. Love for God was expressed in choosing to obey God's word in every aspect of life. Timothy had certainly benefited from the teaching of his mother and grandmother. While each generation may express their faith differently, younger believers should appreciate and build on the spiritual foundation provided by their parents, grandparents, and spiritual mentors. Okay. Spiritual foundation. So let's look at it this way. Parents, I'll address you first. Parents, you are setting a, a, a heritage for your children. You're setting it up right now. You're setting it up. And I mentioned this term before. At a real grassroots level, the thing that I want to teach my kids is that it is very important to come to church. That's what I want to teach them. I want to teach them the importance of coming to church. Why would I want to teach them that? Because I got a pretty good feeling that if I teach them that properly, they're going to also bring their children to church. And they're going to do it willingly. I'm not going to have to force them. I'm not going to have to make them. They're going to do it willingly. They're going to want to do it. Because kids always, always want to do what is valuable to them. Do we understand that? You only do what's valuable to you, don't you? Jobs, responsibilities at the house, cleaning the yard, making sure that everything is taken care of in your health. You will only do what is valuable to you. What makes us think that our kids don't fall into the same line? And if the value of going to church is not taught, 
if it's not actually lived out, then what makes us think our kids are going to want to do that? They won't. You know why? Because they don't find value in it. And it doesn't really matter what you say. So it's important you need to take your kids to church. Well, you never took us. We never hardly went. And now you're telling me I'm supposed to take them? Okay. So, so you understand that this is a building. Uh, a, you're building this building from the ground level up. And if you've got young kids, then this is something that has to be, has to be executed properly. And not, not, not something that's just tossed off as being, you know, the kid's 10 years old and he doesn't feel like going to church. So little Johnny doesn't feel like going to church tonight. I guess he doesn't have to go. You've got to be kidding me. You live under my roof. These are my rules. Now, I'm, I'm going to, you're coming with me, but I'm going to tell you why you're coming with me. Does that make sense? Tell them why, and they'll value it. Tell them because I told you so, they won't value it. They'll leave as soon as they get the chance. They'll be done. So teaching your child to value the same things that you value is foundational for growing family. All right, so provided by the parents, grandparents, and spiritual mentors, methods of teaching and worship express expression may change, but the gospel remains the same. And I've said this many times. All right, your kids or your grandkids, everybody may have a different approach or a different way of doing it just so long as it doesn't compromise the truth of the Word of God. Because my kids may not, and already don't see everything that I see exactly the way I see it. That's okay. Just as long as you understand what the Scripture says, we agree on the Scripture, and you're not in denial of the Bible. You might be in, you might not like the way I approach it, and that's up for debate. But the Word of God is not up for debate. Does that make sense? You, you have to let your kid be your kid. There's no doubt. You can't make them mold them into an image of you. They have to grow and become their own person. But it's like what I try to I teach my kids. It's like, listen, this is what the Word of God says. I didn't make this up. This is what God's Word says. See, I've tried to, we try to teach respect that the, that the kid understands that God is to be respected. You may not want to agree with me, and that's kind of a hard wiring within kids. How many of you wanted to oh, just rebel against your parents just because they said so? Right. I take that into consideration, and you should too. Your kid is going to disagree with you just because they're disagreeable at a certain age. It's okay, fine, you can disagree with me. But let's agree on this one thing. This is what the Bible says, right? That's what it says. Okay. Seed planted. I think sometimes we struggle as parents and we think that we got to make our kid agree with us on every jot and tittle. You don't. They don't have to. They just need to understand the fundamentals. This is where your kid grows up and becomes the kind of person they need to because they understand the decision-making involved and how important that is. You can't shelter your kid from everything that comes down the pipe. You're just not going to be able to do that. You have to let them make their decisions. Okay. So older believers should not dismiss new approaches just because they are different. Younger believers should not disparage their spiritual heritage. Parents and grandparents will find no greater joy than to see their children and grandchildren grow up with a genuine faith. 1 Timothy 1.5, in Christ. Genuine faith is important. All right, let's go to section 2. It doesn't say section 2. I don't know, I guess they had a misprint or something. I'm assuming that, that page 44 is section 2. <laughs> Treating others with respect. <clears throat> Believers are to treat older Christians as they would treat their father or mother. Well, you're right. They are supposed to treat 
elderly as their father or mother. Uh, but if there's been a breach, then we have to recognize as adults, and, I, and I'm talking to the adults here, listen very carefully, if you didn't have that in your life, you might have to relearn that. You, you might have to. You ever heard that old saying, you know, teaching an old dog a new trick? Sometimes we didn't have certain things in our life, and we have to understand, and as I said before at the beginning, you have to recognize what your role is. Well, I, if you recognize what your role is, but you realize you struggle with that, like say it's just respect towards elderly people, and you can say, well, the reason I don't is because I didn't have a father or grandfather figure when I was younger. Absolutely, that can be a struggle. Then you have to learn it now. That doesn't dismiss you from it. It just means you have to learn it now. But recognizing that you lack it is the biggest part of the battle. Recognizing that that doesn't exist, it's not there. And I think it's so important, especially for young parents, if you were missing out on that role model, you're missing out on that person to look up to, that you fix it now so your kid can be competent in this area. Uh, Lathan and I have talked about a lot of things that uh, have come out of our family over the years and things that we wish would have never happened, but we also agree that it's going to have to stop with us. And that my kid, I'm not passing on to my kid the same drama that was given to me. You have the power to do that. It's like, no, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm gonna fuse that out. I'm not going to let that happen. But that also means you might have to learn some new things. You may have to be subjective to some teaching. You might have to listen to somebody older than you to teach you how that relationship is supposed to work. And so I have some deep stuff, I'm sorry. But we really need to, I need to bring that out because I think it's important. We need, to, we need to have that in our lives. Those who are younger or similar in age are to be treated as a brother or sister. These principles reflect God's loving nature that is to be imitated by his people. Showing love for one another within the natural family and the family of God is a defining characteristic of those who follow Christ. That's showing love. Um, here's a good question for you. I'll just let you kind of play with it. What if I struggle, though? What if you struggle with love? Like the, the, like the showing of love. Like once I'll come back to the, the, the point that I just made. Maybe that wasn't given to you when you were younger. Maybe you really don't know how to show love to someone. Maybe that's a struggle. You see, this is, this is why this material is so good because it really makes us probe deep. Don't just look at the word love. Think if you actually possess it. Like if you actually have it to give to someone else. That's the question to ask. Because here's the, here's the tricky part about it. You might not. You might not have it. The only person that might be important in your life is you. That might be the only thing that you even care about. But it's not because, it's not because you can't do it. You just don't know how. It's never been shown to you. And I, you think, man, that's kind of it's kind of sad. Maybe. But if if I gotta if I gotta know it, if I recognize it in my life, you know what? I'm not very good at this. I am not very good at showing other people love. I'm not very good at it. Admit it. Just admit it. Suck it up. Yep, that's me. I I kind of stink at being loving towards other people because that was never given to me as a child. I was never given that. Okay, 
then you're in that category. This is something you're going to have to learn. This is your next prayer. God, show me how to love people. Show me how to love people properly. Show me how to put somebody in front of me and it not always being about me. Church, can we agree that this is important? Amen. It's good. It's important stuff. It really is. Okay. Um, younger people sometimes view those older believers as old-fashioned. Okay. Well, are you? Sure you are. Okay? There's nothing wrong with that. Why do we equate old-fashioned with being wrong? Think about it. That's that you got to think about that. It's like sometimes that's what people do. I'm not saying everyone in here does it, but a lot of times people view old-fashioned as being outdated or just flat wrong. Oh, I can't be right. No, don't equate those two together. We're missing on, on the most valuable aspect is something that they hold that has got them to this point. I don't really care if you call it out. You can call it whatever you want. I need it. I want to know it. Because that very well could be, no, is it, is, it, is it a 2023 model? No, it's not. But I still want to know how you made it. I don't necessarily need a new bit of knowledge to get through life. I just want to know what you know. That's one of the things that has been lost out on the, in the church is gleaning knowledge from the people that have been ahead of you. Gleaning knowledge from the people that are above you. Okay. Um, while older believers can be resistant to change, they have wisdom gained by experience. When older and younger work together, their choices will better advance the cause of Christ. Do, do, that's a good thing to agree on, right? Is advancing the cause of Christ? Okay, it would be short, uh, short-sighted to overlook Paul's charge to treat all women with purity. First Timothy five two. All right, so the, just understand that the lesson kind of takes a, a different deviation here, but I want to. We're going to go through it anyway. It would be short-sighted to overlook Paul's charge to treat all women with purity. First Timothy five two. Christians, both men and women, should be aware of how they interact with members of the opposite sex. They should learn no room for accusations of improper conduct but should be known for treating one another with respect. And so we've been talking about this respect avenue, right? And how important it is for our children to grow up with respect. And so we've also all agreed that we model this in front of our children, correct? Okay. So the, the lesson here says it would be short-sighted if we dismiss the fact that we should be aware of how we interact with one another and interact with the opposite sex because it is quite important that you cannot be brought up on accusations that you are not pure. Men need to behave themselves respectfully around women. Women res uh, should uh, behave themselves respectfully around men. Um, if, if you, um, how, do I, how do I use this as an example? I'll use one of our training examples. If, uh, you know, in a, in a Pentecostal church, especially in a, in, a, in a church that's, you know, believes in gifts of the Spirit and believes in, in the things of the Bible, we often talk about love. And so sometimes the word love can be construed and it can be kind of made a lot of different things. And, and uh, one of the things that we teach in training is, is no matter what you think about the opposite sex, you say, I love all the people of this church. And then you kind of got this idea that, that because you love all the people in the church, you should hug everybody in the church. Well, you see, I disagree with that because men should not be hugging other women, especially someone else's wife. Or so, women should not be hugging someone else's husband. You know why I say that? 
I, see, I'm getting an amen from our senior group. You y'all know. Y'all have you ever had some? You've seen some history in churches where that's went wrong. I've got some experience myself seeing this in church for years. I've been in church since I was 18 years old, 16 actually, and seeing what can happen when men and women overstep their bounds and they begin to, to get over into areas that are questionable and our actions become, uh, are, are called into question. I use that example because it is the easiest to use. In order to enact respect across the board, men don't need to be hugging other women. Women don't need to be hugging other men. And that keeps respect alive in the church. Keeps it alive. Now, you don't have to, you don't even have to amen, amen that. Take it like a horse pill if you have to. <laughs> Dice it up, grind it up in the blender, whatever you got to do to get it digested. Now, some may disagree with that. I've had too many experiences, too many experiences. I wrote a book on it. It's one of the reasons that we do training in here and we talk about that very thing is c carrying yourself uh, correctly in front of the body in that if if we got a if we got a pumped up person and they're going around and just hugging everybody at some point in time they're going to be hugged in a back room or they're going to be hugged in secret and that's not going to go well with the spouse right. it's not going to go well <laughs> thank you all for your amens <laughs> okay let's keep moving godly living reaps blessings note the qualities of a widow who should receive assistance this is something Haven brought up. Uh, her and I were talking about this the other day. She had noticed this in the Bible, and she said, I noticed that these were qualifications, that this wasn't just something that is given because somebody is titled a widow. They actually have to be deserving of it. There were certain things that they had to meet, and this were them. Qualities of a widow should receive assistance are prayer warrior, faithful spouse, good mother, Helper to others in need. Those who have felt faithfully served the Lord should be rewarded. And that's the way they looked at it. So you think, well, what does that mean? Well, these are qualifications. So if they weren't faithful, did they receive the same benefits? No. They didn't. Because it was important that they filled their role. That's what we've been talking about is filling roles. It was important that they filled their role. And so when they filled the role, they qualified for that kind of assistance. So does that, mean that, does that mean that we shouldn't love people? No. Based on what we think? No. What that means is, is that there's a role to be filled and you should fill it. If there's a call to be pure, then be pure. If there's a call to be holy, then be holy. If there's a call to show respect and to refrain from embracing, then refrain from embracing. But these things played into this. James defined pure and genuine religion as caring for orphans and widows and living a godly lifestyle. The early church took this responsibility seriously. At the core of the Christian faith is obedience to Christ's command to love one another. That love begins with caring for one's own family, especially those who are alone. This is, let me say this again. I've said it a lot of times in here. Let's, let's, let me read that last sentence. At the core of the Christian faith is obedience to Christ's command to love one another. That love begins with caring for one's own family. Your own family. 
That's where it starts. All right, so I'll give you an, I'll give you an example of something like this that got out of control. I treated a house one time, and this gentleman was about 90 years old. And his family lived in the same town as he did. And he said, I guess I'm going to, I got to make a phone call and I got to get, I got to get so-and-so to go and take me to the store. I said, you don't have any, where's your family at? He goes, they don't take me to the store. And I said, so how do you do it? He goes, I hire somebody to drive me to the grocery store so I can get groceries and come home. The family doesn't, he said, I've asked them numerous times. They won't help me. So... 90-year-old, on their own, and the family don't have nothing to do with them. And he's hiring someone to take him to the grocery store. Something seems out of balance. Something, you, know, you think, well, you didn't get the other family side of the story. He's 90 years old. He doesn't have any reason to lie to me. There's no vested interest in telling me anything other than what he's, he's sharing stories to me. He said, man, I wish I could get my family to help me out here. He said, I'm he was calling them right there. He was calling the, the bad boy to get in the vehicle and take him to the store. It is your responsibility to take care of your family. Amen. Here, I'm going to tell you even something else that's even a little deeper than that. It is not the church's responsibility to take care of your family. Whoa. No, Tanner, I can show you scripture where it says it's the church's responsibility. First line of defense is always the family. Amen. Something goes wrong in your family, then all the family bands together, and then they take care of it. If it goes further than that, then call the church. But that's not what happens nowadays. Nowadays they just say, what church are you going to? We're going to call them and get donations and handouts and all this other stuff. What? Y'all take care of it. It's your grandparent. It's your kid. You take care of it. Why is it the church's responsibility? Why do they have to front all of the funds? Why do they have to front all of the effort? I'm talking about taking care of your own, church. That's in God's plan. Your family members, that's your responsibility. And, and often it gets dumped in the church's lap, and then people hate the church. Because we didn't have thousands of dollars in reserve to pay for everybody's bills. That's hard truth. No, it's hard truth. It is, but it is fact. Absolutely. It's like I don't know what you. What do you want? I mean, do we? Are we gonna? We start issuing checks for people that have been here for over twenty years. What are we gonna do? I don't see how that's plausible. All right, let me finish this out, guys. And I'm I'm sorry. I've I've got locked into one subject. Okay. Um, the first leaders selected by the church were chosen to oversee the care provided to widows. Failure to do so could have resulted in division in the church and loss of focus on its overall ministry. Addressing the concern wisely led to needs being met and the message of Jesus continuing to be spread. All right, so I'm going to stop there because I am out of time. So what is, here's this, here's that comes that big question. What is the love of Jesus? Because it said the message of love. It's the love of Jesus. So often what the church thinks is that we're talking about salvation. Well, all right, well, that's true. It is about salvation. But I've been talking about this for the last couple of weeks. I'm not, we know what the cross means. I'm talking about practical love. The kind of love that actually does something. That makes sense. The kind of love that gets up and does something for someone else. That's what I'm talking about. So when we start spreading that message, what is that message? Well, 
The message is, I want you to come to church here, and I want you to find the same Jesus I found. But see, that message doesn't come across really well if I don't follow basic principles. If I don't love properly, if I don't respect you as a person, if I just forget all of that stuff and say, hey, you need to come to church. It's a great place. Then what motivation do you have to even come? If I can't operate in just practical things, basic things, honesty, and having moral values, then what motivation do you have to come? What kind of change are you looking to make if I can't live out change in front of you? And that goes for everybody in here. Let's, let's think about and practice the practical things of love. The practical things, the things that make sense. You continue to pray. Continue to believe God for breakthroughs. But if you struggle in the areas of respect and honor and love, pray that God will help you with those. Because if you'll change those things, you'll start to see a difference. I'm out of time, guys. God bless you. Thanks. Thanks.